Hello and welcome to History Slices Podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Jacob. And in this podcast, we discuss various bits of history that are interesting. Jacob gets to choose what they are. Typically, I don't know what they are except maybe the title before we get started. So, um, Jacob, what are we talking about in this episode number seven? We're talking about Henry Darger. Henry Darger, who I have no... I don't think I've ever heard that guy's name before. No, well... Not a lot of people have. He's not like the most famous guy around. Do you that know? That makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, don't worry too much about it. Um, but he's well known amongst people who are interested in, I guess, creative people. I consider myself to be kind of, you know, maybe I'm a closet creative person. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know you mean. I don't think I'm very creative, but apparently I am. Uh, <laughs> so let's, I've been told. Yeah, well, you know about this guy. I know about so this you guy. That smell test. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, he, um, first of all, do you know what outsider art is? I don't have, I, that's not a term I've heard before. Right, so basically, and I think there, I don't know if there's I like, might be able to guess what it means. Sir, I don't know if there's like an exact agreed upon definition, but okay. from what I've heard and read about, outsider art is basically an artist who is self-trained, self-taught. I never went to art school or anything like that. That um, makes sense, That I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Henry Darger is among that the group, arguably the most well known, or at least like uh, he's a bit like Vincent Van Gogh. As I say, his Vincent name? Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Yeah. I heard it. I've heard it else, but <laughs> it's heard, fine. I've you know who I mean. <laughs> you know who I mean. Yeah. Starry Night guy. Yeah. Um, Van Gogh. It, yeah, and that most of his six, in fact, all of his success happened posthumously. Yeah, uh, posthumously, sir. Okay, I mean he's probably passed all humor at that point, but I don't know. Uh, so, so Van Gogh is an exam, another example of uh, this outsider artist. I don't, I don't know if he, if he ever went to school, if he for is art. or not. I, I don't I, know if he did. I, I don't. I haven't done <laughs> too yeah. much research on him because uh, I was focused more on Henry here. Yeah, but of course. Yeah. Um, what I'm going to do is I want to go kind of through like his Henry Darger's that is his timeline, like his kind of early history, you know, uh, but he, uh, you know, his life up until he creates his was widely considered his magnum opus. It isn't his only work, but it's the one people who know of him know about. Okay. Interesting. So we kind of get to know the man behind the magnum opus. Yeah. And he's a bit of a, He's a bit of an odd bird. Uh, just Lana. not that I'm judging him, of course. Just that you know, it's uh, you know, he's a bit odd. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I think it's that's fair to say. How creative people, very creative people, tend to, you know, march to the beat of their own drummer a lot of times, and yeah. so people, it's kind of it's a gift and a curse, you know, mm-hmm. as Monk would say. So, <laughs> <laughs> what a reference. Yeah. Yeah. So he was born in Chicago. Um, we're not sure the exact date, but it was around, it was like in April of 1892. Okay. 1892. Yep. Uh, about 130 years ago. Sir. A long time ago. Yeah. His, um, parents were named Henry as well, like Henry senior, Henry junior and Rosa. Um, his dad was a tailor. So no, no one too important, but you know, putting me on the table, so to speak. Like common folk yeah yeah so i just i'm gonna hit pause real quick of not course. officially or actually but just when you said henry and his dad was named henry i had a flashback to henry the eighth uh, <laughs> i totally didn't even think totally about that totally different um He's, realm though here his dad was a tailor yeah they're a bit nicer i think good good 
So before Henry even went to school, his dad, he, he was very kind of bright as a kid. Uh, his dad taught him how to read using like newspapers and stuff as kind of like a learning tool. That's cool. So he kind of knew um, he had a bit of, um, how do you say, pre-existing knowledge, I suppose, uh, going into school. In fact, so much so that, and I don't know, maybe this is a sign of it being a different time or whatever. He was allowed to skip to the third grade mm. when he entered into education. Yeah. So. And, and the education system was so, so different back then. And mm-hmm. there's a, there's a lot that we could dive yeah. into. That you would way, know but, about that because you're a teacher. Well, yeah, but I don't really know like the history of education. Mm-hmm. I mean, a little bit, but. Not on a timeline or anything like that. Sure, so that's fair. Um, just know that it was different. But he was a bright kid and jumped into the third grade. He yeah. Like skipped the others. That's pretty cool. So yeah. that's indicative of that, you know, highly creative people sometimes are, are highly intelligent, you know, in different ways. Unfortunately, it, things kind of went downhill a bit before they picked up, so to speak. In 1896, when he was around four, his mother passed away due to birth complications. Mm. Um, so he gave birth to a daughter, but Henry, their dad, thought that he couldn't appropriately raise both children on his own. So the daughter was given up for adoption. What a heart-wrenching decision that must have been. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't know how necessarily common that was at the time, yeah. but it was definitely. it's definitely like... He didn't think about... <laughs> quickly finding another wife or no. having somebody come care for her. No. Well, uh, I don't think he had a lot of money as mm, well, so mm-hmm. that didn't... That's just, ooh, sad. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you know, is this, are you going to tell us anything about the daughter? We don't know much about her. Uh, Henry Jr., the one we're talking about, the main one, he never really knew her, and she kind of just, I think, entered the system, and, you know, who knows. Yeah. Hopefully, she lived a good life, but we don't really know yeah, one way or the other. since we don't know one way or another, we're going to think that way. We're going to, sir... <laughs> Sir, so um, by 1900, right, at eight years old, so a couple years later, his dad lost the use of his legs. I think it, it wasn't like an accident or anything. I think it was just old. And was it polio, I wonder, or something? I don't think it was. Yeah. I, in my research, I couldn't find, like, the reason. I don't think it was anything too, hmm. like, disease-related, but it could just been AIDS and him, you know, straining them or something like yeah, that i don't okay. know so we don't really know the cause that's okay Just but curious. he was put into saint augustine's home for the aids which is like you know a um uh, old folks home basically Some sort of care facility was that do you know if that was in chicago when i hear saint augustine uh, yes i yes? believe so okay. um anyway so young henry was sent to a catholic orphanage where he was a bit of a brat bit of a rebel rouser he would make random noises during class and disrupt the class interesting yeah which to me and i don't know uh one way or the other he was never like diagnosed or looked at in that sense well he was but i don't think that they knew what to look for necessarily but he kind of struck me as like someone on the spectrum potentially very interesting because you have some familiarity with that and yes know how (laughs) well personal experience but also people you know you've been in groups of people on the Mm -hmm. spectrum and see how that they could. do that sometimes. Yeah. 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 Isn't that I don't know fascinating? Why, so here's this guy who's ultra smart, creative, but we don't really see that yet, I guess, yet. by eight years old. And then he's put I into... I mean, people didn't see that until... How, how difficult that must have been for him. Already at eight years mm-hmm. old, he's lost his mom, uh, sister, which he probably wasn't even really aware and knew how to do that. Lo- yeah. Basically lost his dad. And now he's having to cope with all that. If it was... If it was somebody who's on the spectrum, imagine how difficult it would be for anybody 
and then you complicate matters with that, that would be really difficult to deal with. Yeah. On a, absolutely. On a darker note, apparently he also uh, just like threatened a girl with a knife at some point. Wow. Which I don't know if like every other, like, cause I, I've been reading about his life. He's never been violent or even like necessarily rude to people. So, because he was a lot of a loner yeah. uh, in his life. So like, I think it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know what caused that. Yeah, but, isn't that curious though? That's, that's but just really it could curious. just been him acting out or whatever. Could have just been some sort of an episode. Mm-hmm. So the orphanage, in response to these kind of outbursts, yeah. they ordered a psychiatric, psychiatric, psychiatric. Thank you. That's the word. Start over. Psychiatric. 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 Psyche. Psyche. Atric. Atric. Yeah. Psychiatric. Yeah. Psy- psychiatric we're leaving all this in uh they ordered an evaluation of him uh <laughs> i don't know what they found i i couldn't really like they apparently thought he was like i don't know he ended up being put in a Lincoln developmental center which was an asylum for and this is their words self-abuse huh. which at the time was kind of code for masturbation the whole thing? They had a whole asylum just for that? No, no. He, that's why he was interned. Oh, okay. And it's a development center. The Lincoln Development Well, that, that's the name that I found yeah. for it. No, it's um, just interesting because... That's it, what Wikipedia calls it. It's really interesting because the autism spectrum is a developmental disorder. Mm-hmm. So I, that to me, that connects that word. So I'm just wondering if there's any connection. I kind of doubt it. I don't know. Uh, it, it, just a, it, it was a like, catch-all. Yeah, it's like a lot of asylums at the time. Mm-hmm. And that it was terrible conditions. Yeah. Um, was he eight or was this after that? He was, um, I don't know. He was like preteens at okay. this point. Okay. Uh, and it was like for um, like children, kind of that area. Yeah. But they were used for like labor, like oh farming gosh. the food there mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. on their own or terrible hours, like super early to super late. Mm. Uh, the state knew about it because it was a bit of a money maker. Really? So yeah. So they were like, well, we're not going to look too closely at it. But, you know, he got beat a lot for like kind of disobeying and oh stuff like gosh. that. Poor kid. Yeah. His also, he didn't find it sound until he got out, but his dad passed away in 1905. So just about five years after he went in there, four yeah. five years after he separated. Oh goodness. Yeah. I know. And he didn't find it out for some time. For, yeah. For, um, a couple of years at gosh, least. How crushing, you know, we think we have it hard and mm-hmm. poor Henry. Yeah. Uh, asylum was overcrowded. It was just a generally not great place. It also closed down in 2002 uh, amidst like a lot of scandals and stuff. Oh my so. gosh, that was a century later. I know, right? <laughs> like, so. what, what happened? That would be an interesting story to find out. The yeah, I think of I think like the, the governor or whatever is like, yeah, no. <laughs> In fact, I didn't even but, realize asylums still exist. Well, I don't. But it might have changed. Like, it might have changed like its its function yeah, or whatever. But from what I read. That's when it was like officially like shut down, down, closed. Interesting. Also, there are some um, amongst people like scholars and stuff who study this guy. There's some speculation that he might have been sexually abused here. Uh, I couldn't find any like definitive one way or the other. But I'm putting that there for like one kind of give you an idea of how horrible it was. Because stuff like that did happen in asylums Mm -hmm. and we know Mm -hmm. that. But also... We're going to get back to that later about like his artwork and stuff. Mm, mm. Um, he, though he did 
deny that that happened and he did have fond memories of the place and the reason we know this is because he wrote an autobiography um and i put quotation marks around autobiography for reasons we'll get to okay but it's how interesting though that he would you know think fondly on mm -hmm. well i mean that that's good uh, yeah, I yeah. Guess. <laughs> Whether uh, he, he truly uh, believed it or he was well, he he wrote this later on in life, so it could just be that, like in retrospect, in retrospect or, or something like that, nostalgia or I don't know. Hmm. He said, um, "Journey." Er this is his quote: "During the early summer of the fourth year, I made my first attempt to run away, but that farmer's cowboy caught me in the cornfield, tied my hands together, and made me run back all the way on the rear of his horse." Wow. But later on, he would say that he kind of compared the asylum to a bit of like a, a heaven because um, he said, do you think I would be fool enough to run away from heaven if I get there? So, so already it, it seems like, and I'm no psychologist, but it really mm -hmm. seems like he's pretty ungrounded. Like he wants to run away, but it's it feels like heaven. Like mm -hmm. he's not really. He's a bit of an odd bird. <laughs> yeah. He's a little disconnected. Somewhere. Yeah. Um, which fair enough. I mean, if you're, I mean, already he was, I don't want to say probably cause I don't know, yeah. but there's in my mind evidence that he might've been on like the, the spectrum autistic spectrum, but he, then he had goes through all this stuff, you know, Gosh, I mean, that would probably mess up anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Com really compound the problem. Mm -hmm. So on his third, his third escape attempt, he oh actually got away. Uh, he walked back to Chicago, which was like more than a hundred miles away. I don't know like the exact distance. Wow. I didn't think to write down, wow. but yeah. Um, what, how old was he when he escaped the third time or what year was it about? It was around 1908. Uh, he was around like 17 or so. Okay. Something like that. Again, like we don't know exactly when he was born, yeah. but yeah, he moved in with his godmother. Uh, eventually, I think he did kind of get an apartment on his own, but interesting that he was able to connect with his godmother. There must have been some. I don't know. It, it's possible he just kind of like sewed up and he must have known who she was be yeah. either before or maybe she had contact while he was there or something like that. Yeah. And then, so she took him in. Yeah. Yeah. Which was very nice. Yeah. Um, he worked. He got a job as a janitor at a hospital. The first of many jobs as custodians in hospitals. Like he went through like three different jobs of doing mm. like kind of the same thing at different locations. That's a good job at for somebody point, who likes he was to like keep a two... dishwasher. I think, but yeah, that's good. I mean, he was unskilled. Yeah, and he could kind of keep to himself. And mm. well, actually. If they worked him, he probably was skilled in cleaning, <laughs> dishwashing, and janitor work. Yeah, he didn't have a lot of money because most of the money God he spent going to like the local amusement park, which is I think really fun. Wow, <laughs> I mean not the most smart like financially, but it's it's fun, you know. Cause, and it it kind of talks a bit about who he is, you know, as a person. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, in a, in a couple different ways because somebody who doesn't earn very much money as a janitor or a dishwasher. Um, you'd think that they would probably have to funnel most of their money towards necessities. Yet here he was, you know, spending it on something he really enjoyed doing. So he didn't think much probably about the future. <laughs> yeah, he kind of, I think he kind of was in his own little world for a lot of it. I mean, he definitely was due to like what we'll find out about later about like his artwork and stuff and his work. He, he, I, I've been saying his artwork, he did illustrations, but he also did a lot of writing. My oh. God, did he write a lot, but really? we'll, we'll get wow. into that. Yeah. Cool. 
at one point uh, in one of his, um, it was during this time he started writing his book, uh, not his autobiography, his magnum opus book, okay. which we're about to get into. But I just want to like another funny, well, funny kind of a thing that happened is during one of his uh, places he worked at, there was a nun there who apparently gave him a lot a hard time, or at least in his mind, the way he wrote about her. And that's kind of how I think we, uh, it's a little ambiguous because we're getting it from his perspective. Uh-huh. But like, she apparently yelled at him and threatened to send him back to asylum, even though at that point he was like, a uh, grown ass man, yeah. <laughs> you know. So yeah, like but even grown ups, if they, you know, they sir, could be sent away. Sir, yeah. Oh. Um, but he would. Did, I'm sorry. Did she show up in the magnum opus or in, well, the in his autobiography? Okay. I think. But he would like he'd take it. He wouldn't really react because that's kind of what he, um, how he was, okay. you know, just absorbed. He just kind of absorbed. But then when he get back home, he would like act out arguments between himself and her, and he'd always win. Oh. And in fact, he'd do this so much that his neighbors in the, um, like his landlords in an apartment, wherever he lived, mm. would think that there was a bunch of people in his room because mm. all the different voices and the different like tones of voices oh and stuff. Oh my gosh, isn't that something? Yeah. That's fascinating to me the way that he processed that though. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't know how to interact and engage with the nun who was yelling at him or whatever, but he would go home and try to process it in the best way that he could. I know I've been mad at people before and not we been, all and, have. and yeah, I'd be like, I don't know what the appropriate way is to handle this. Mm-hmm. But for somebody who potentially, and I know that we're really, we have no like evidence that he was on the spectrum, yeah. but for somebody who has a hard time interacting with people, that's mm-hmm. just really fascinating to me that he would come home and <laughs> act it all back out and kind of sort through it and yeah. process it that way. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And his neighbors. That that I think that's really what's interesting to me personally is the fact that his neighbors thought there's multiple people there. Yeah. Because that kind of speaks to like, I don't know. It, I, there's only a couple photographs of Henry that exists because he was a really unknown person. And he lived at a time where like, well, he died in the 70s to give you an idea. So, okay. you know, there wasn't like cell phones taking photos everywhere or whatever mm-hmm. like there is now. So are there no photos? Of there's him? a couple that oh. exist, but it's like there's not many, um, and they're all of when he's older. Uh, well, I think there's one when he's like middle aged, and of the ones I've seen, there's two when he's like an older man because he lived a while. Um, mm-hmm. He was like eighty something when he passed. I'm getting way ahead of us, <laughs> but, but he was also just kind of generally odd in the way he reacted. Like he claimed to have been born in Brazil, which he wasn't. Crazy, uh, yeah, Where and did that come apparently. From? I don't know. I read this. I don't know where we got this information if he admitted it himself in like his autobiography or if like someone who knew him because, you know, he did. Well, uh, you know, he lived in an apartment with other people. So I don't know. You know, he um, though he had his own like space before he used the restroom. He'd give like a chant, quote unquote, which I don't know what I don't know what's up with that. But he, he well, people who are obsessive compulsive do that don't they oh, maybe they, yeah. they have I these sort of rituals that. that they do you know throughout their day mm-hmm. oh that's interesting he would give some sort of a chant yeah interesting so in the realms of the unreal that's his book the one that that's the one everyone knows about uh it's that's a certain title and that's what people usually give it because the full title is way too long it sounds like a, a fantasy story or something it like kinda, that. It yeah. like somebody who would something somebody would write who's trying to escape. Mm-hmm. It, it was uh, 
a novel and I have quotation marks on my list, my notes. (laughs) (laughs) I have quotation marks on my notes around the word novel because it's kind of unorthodox. He wrote it himself. He illustrated himself. He started longhand, but eventually switched over to typewriter. Uh, The full title is the story of the Vivian girls in what is known as the realms of the unreal of the Glendeco and Zilligan and Zilligan war storm caused by the child slave rebellion. Oh my. That's the title. Goodness. And that I sounds think more I, like a thesis. I, I butchered like the, um, the made up names in that, but bear with me. <laughs> like he started writing it in 1909, but we don't know like how long he'd been like, stewing over it yeah, or if he, he was just young. started he's still or... young in 1909 mm, yeah like maybe he was 20 yeah this like is like that. a decade or so yeah. after he kind of got out and started being wow. a janitor yeah um so the plot is basically it's pretty simple plot there's these two countries that are at war one guy uh one side um and i'm gonna make an attempt to pronounce this anzelina Angelina, something like that. They're the good guys. They're Christians. Uh, they're protected children. Something I forgot to mention is Henry Darger, incredibly religious. Like he attended mass like every day. But um, and the bad guys, the Glandolinians, they abuse children and they were like the bad guys. Mm. Um, and the protagonists were these seven sisters, princesses, whatever, called the Vivian girls. Interesting. Um, yeah, and I wonder where the word the name Vivian came from. I Maybe he knew somebody. He, it's possible he, he just read it in a book or stuff. Because mm. what happened was, because he read a lot, and what happened was like a lot of characters from books he read would sew up. He himself would sew up as a character in it. Wow. Um, which is interesting. But so, so the protagonists are these seven girls. Yeah, sisters. I, I, did you say they were? Yeah, they're like yeah. sisters or whatever. I haven't read it because, and we'll get into the page length. It's really long, uh, and I think it from descriptions of it, it sounds like it's a little rambly, uh, <laughs> which is fine, you know. What makes for a little difficult reading sometimes? Yeah. Um, so in the story, he played like a, a general from the far off nation of America, uh, <laughs> who was like a the good guy. He was a protector of children, and he like was helping the Vivian girls and stuff. The illustrations are of like particular note because they're these sprawling like drawings, and sometimes. Either it was from scratch and he just like whatever freestyled it or he'd take like photos or images from newspapers or other stuff like magazines and trace over them. Uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah. To like so and and pretty soon like his whole like apartment was covered in like reference images from oh, like a bunch of different from his story. Yeah. For his story, a bunch of different stuff. And what's interesting is that like from what we know about him, this was pretty much what he did. Like, outside of being a janitor, going to a amusement park, and attending mass, this was all he did was wow. make the story. Wow. Some of the materials he used for, like, imagery, he got out of garbage bins. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess because he was a janitor. Imagery, so, oh. oh uh, well, like, like pictures and stuff. So he'd pull pictures out of the garbage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, like, old newspapers oh. or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And wh- I wonder how we know that just based on what the pictures look like, I guess. Yeah, well, that and, like, um, some of them are, like, known oh, pictures. Like, like, brands Recognizable or whatever. Yeah, kind of at stuff. least at the time. Yeah. not Maybe not so much nowadays. I see. But skipping ahead a little bit, we're going to get back to that. He initially, when people first found out about him, 
they thought he was a, a serial killer or a pedophile or whatever. Because what he would do is he would have, first of all, he had a fascination with children. Like all of his characters, uh, like the good guy characters were these young girls, you know, fighting against this evil empire. This was like when World War One was about to break out. So I don't know if that played any part mm-hmm. in his thing but he'd often draw or have them be naked but thing is and i don't think i don't think it was sexual i think it was more of like a sense of like oh they're purity kind of a thing like uh-huh. japan has kind of, as a culture it's kind of a similar idea where like sometimes you'll see like naked kids in their stuff and it's not like a sexual thing it's like well they're they're innocent type right, of a thing. right they're young no is that just something that you Oh, that's something I'm assuming based on how... Do other people also have that opinion? Nowadays, yeah. At a time, not so much. But nowadays... Also, I don't think he knew what female anatomy looked like. Because he'd either have them be like Barbie dolls and not like Uh have any... Anatomy. um, Anatomy. (laughs) Or he'd give them male uh, genitalia anatomy. Oh, interesting, but... We knew they were girls because they were the Vivian girls. They're, yeah, we knew they were girl, like they're all like girls, but oh, some that's of them really uh, interesting. Yeah, which some people think well maybe he was like a repressed homosexual or transgender. I'm like well maybe, but it's also possible that he just never saw a naked woman. <laughs> which, yeah. as far as we know, he didn't. So yeah. it's it could be just didn't know. hard to believe, but then again, he's leading this pretty unusual life. Yeah, and this is also at a time where. Um, Sex education wasn't really a thing. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but that's all the speculation. So who knows one or the other, but it is one of those things that also makes it a little tricky to apparently look through his book because there's a lot of naked kids in there. Really? Yeah. And um, he also, um, I think he, and again, this might just be my perception of the man. I never knew him or met him or anything like that. Cause Obviously. of course, yeah, <laughs> he's gone before you got he here. He died in the seventies. I was born in the nineties. Yeah. Uh, but the, um, I think he really did love children. He kept trying to adopt a kid, but oh, wow. he kept being denied cause one, his background and two, like he didn't really have like a stable income. You know what yeah, I mean? How interesting that he tried to adopt one. I wonder if they let a uh, single men period regardless mm-hmm. of background adopt i don't know children. i don't know but he uh it definitely seems like you know he lost his childhood pretty much he did and i think that's why i kept going to amusement parks yeah i mean that and that's and a well, speculation on my part but well, they, the it seems really are, clear to me that he kind of missed out on something yeah and not just like the fun part of childhood but just the whole innocence of childhood and ha- happiness and mm-hmm. You know. Well, he definitely considered that like the greatest evil because in his he book, considered what the greatest evil? Uh, taking the innocence of a child because oh. in his book, the bad guys did that. They like torture the kids and stuff. It's really mm. gruesome mm. imagery as well, like stuff that's like super intense, Yeah, uh, which is also why people at the time thought he was a, sure, a like, murderer. Sure, like how do you imagine stuff like that unless yeah. you've been witness to it or something? Yeah, something that happened like, this went on for a while, basically the rest of his life. This He was writing this thing. Well, he was writing for the rest of his life. He did finish the book at one point, and then he started like like a, a sequel or something like that. Wait, so he, he continued writing and he started a sequel? Yeah, he actually, there's like three things I know of. I'm sure there's probably more. I'm sorry, four things. There's the Vivian Girls. 
the sequel, which is like Vivian Girls Go to Chicago or something like that. <laughs> uh, some Sounds such, like a curious George book. Yeah. Uh, uh, weather Report. He was really interested in the weather. Uh, like he would just kind of like keep track of it. Okay. That's another autistic thing to do. Yeah. Well, he... he like a typical autistic. In his thing. writings, he criticized the weatherman a <laughs> yeah. lot because, no, well, not because of the reasons you think or would necessarily think because he's like, only God knows what the weather's about. Oh this guy goodness. is trying to predict God, kind of. Oh, that's funny. And in his autobiography, which we'll get into that because that's hilarious in of itself, at least to me. So you said there were four things, and I'm sorry. So the four things were the Vivian Girls, the, um, the sequel... Uh, and they said something about the the weather, weather report, report and then his autobiography. And his autobiography. There might have been something else that I just missed in my research, but I was more interested in the Vivian Ger- the yeah. um, realms of the unreal. So, did he write a called. book about the weather guys? Is that what, or was that just showed up in his autobiography? That was just something he wrote. Was that like just oh, keeping track wrote. of the oh, weather? Gotcha. Like, okay, I'm sorry, it was, it was rainy today or whatever. I gotcha. Okay, mm-hmm. his most prized possession, and this had like a huge impact on him when this event happened, there was a photo he had of this young girl named Elsie. I'm going to make an attempt to say her last name. Cause it's like a, it, not a common last name. At least it isn't anymore. Parabek, P-A-R-O-U-B-E-K. Parabek. Yeah. I don't know. She was a young girl. He got the photo from the newspaper. She was found murdered, oh. uh, which is very sad and tragic, but he apparently was really fond of the photo in 1912. He lost the photo for whatever reason, got misplaced or whatever. He freaked out, like, big time. He was, like, begging God to, like, return a photo. He made, like, a shrine in his apartment about the photo. Uh, He threatened... And he wrote this in, like, his his writings. A lot of this stuff comes from him. He threatened that the bad guys will win the war in his book if he didn't get the photo back. Wow. Which is very... Crossing over from reality to... Yeah. At that point, I'm like, I don't think he really knew the difference yeah, or yeah. it's difficult for him to know difference between his fantasy world yeah. and um, his real life world. It's so... I mean, it's a little creepy how fascinated or how it is much he liked this picture of the girl because to me it make it like makes me raise an eyebrow like oh well yeah no it did is did he have any involvement with her? no I don't think he did there's no evidence of him hurting anyone or yeah. even being rude to anyone outside yeah. of like that one incident with right. the knife and the girl but um when he was like a kid but um it is one of those scenes that people are like. You know, this guy's kind of weird, you yeah, know, yeah. like um, I think it might just I don't I don't know. I don't want to get into his psyche, especially yeah. since I don't know him. Yeah. But I don't think it was like a malicious thing necessarily. Right. Like there's no other tie between him and the girl. Than other this, this than picture. he was just obsessed with the yeah. photo of her. Yeah. And it could have just been like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Obviously, he never found the photo. Um, so what happened in the story was it got a bit darker. The tide of the war started to turn. His in-story avatar defected to the um, Glandolinian side, the bad guy Whoa. side. Yeah. Um, and and then he got drafted for World War One. <laughs> Which That's he, so interesting yeah. that his own character mm-hmm. in the story... Went from the good side to the bad side. Yeah, he side. stopped going to church and stuff. At oh, also. man, that was crushing to him. It was, yeah. Um, now, he lucked out World War One-wise because he actually never really saw combat. He he made it into, like, the uh, the training camp, and then he got sent back for bad eyesight. 
which oh. he admitted in his writing that he exaggerated <laughs> the eyes of bad eyesight. Uh, he, he said that like he didn't mind like the military life. He just didn't want to leave all the things he cared about. Yeah, yeah. Um, and because of, I think, his experiences in like the asylum and stuff, he was pretty good at following orders. Like he, um, you know, he was pretty, I yeah. think, I don't want to say like, autopilot or anything like that but you know he uh he he didn't speak out much it was good at falling yeah i can see how that would be but also you know went to pretty it was important for him to stay in his familiar environment yeah 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 because it's the place that it's not like he didn't want to leave any people it's it's his environment what he Mm -hmm. does with his time and all that he didn't want to leave that yeah so he reconciled his beef with god I think he, I can't remember if he like um, heard a story or read a, a magazine or something like that, but uh, basically he got into his head that like internal damnation wasn't worth it oh <laughs> or something like that. And he like, I guess losing the photo was just a test of faith. So he like renounced kind of his, his bitterness and like you know damn you got you know he kind of stopped that uh and his character in the story went back to the good guy side the war turned again it was very uh it what's fascinating to me about it is that it's very indicative of like himself yeah like the story is very much as himself yeah it's it's an outward display of the turmoil that's going on inside Mm -hmm. fascinating yeah absolutely so fun fact um about the book because he did finish it and um there's actually interestingly enough two endings one where the good guys win and one where the bad guys win wow that is that's interesting yeah and what's also interesting is it's on the same seat of paper just different sides of the paper oh my gosh which i don't know if there's any meaning to that it could just been like he's at the end so yeah Yeah. but um that's really fascinating makes me think of first um those stories where like you choose the path that you're reading you know what do they, what do they call those stories oh uh choose your own adventure choose your own adventure stories yeah right? so it reminds me of that i used but to also, love those as a kid i know it makes me think also about um a little sad because if it's a reflection of his internal you know dialogue or whatever mm-hmm. health is too broad of a term but I know um, what you mean. Yeah, then that kind of means that in the end, he felt a little bit divided, maybe, which that makes me feel sad. But yeah, I mean, it's it's possible. It's also possible it doesn't mean that. I mean, it it's, could be he just couldn't decide which it's way. It's hard to because we never really, outside of that kind of dubious thing when he was a kid. Yeah, we never really got like a good, like, psychologist, you know, person to look at him or anything like that. Cause by the time people found out about him, he'd pass away. Yeah. It's really interesting. He's open to let the book end either way though. That's yeah. Really he, curious. he did finish it. The final. Okay. I want, I want your guess on this. Okay. What do you think the final page count was? Okay. I think you said it was very long. I'm trying to think how, how long is it? I mean, a long book could have 800 pages, mm-hmm. um, something like that. So I'll say a thousand pages. Okay, uh, sir, fifteen thousand a hundred and forty-five pages, seven handbound volumes, eight unbound volumes. It is insanely long. Oh my gosh! It's almost like an ency- the size of an encyclopedia set. It's bigger than all the Harry Potter books put together, plus War and Peace, 
plus oh like my it's it's gosh. it's insanely massive and i'm just remembering back to at the beginning you said that it's fairly simple plot <laughs> yeah know, there's this good guy bad guy so yeah there just must be a lot of oh my goodness how interesting i'd love to hear what could take up that much room <laughs> right like that's yeah. that's one of the reasons why i was curious as to like taxi read it yeah. um just to see like are, are they all like battle scenes i don't know <laughs> i don't know honestly i, I couldn't tell you yeah. but that's so fascinating. Oh my gosh. Tell me again that number. How many uh, pages? Uh, 15,145. So 15 times longer than a very long book. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness. So by 1963, he'd retired. He was a bit old at that time. And I guess he was just having trouble like doing his, his job. At this point, he wrote The History of My Life, which is his autobiography where I think we get a lot of this information. That's that's in it of itself is interesting. I'm sorry, no, I interrupted you, but no, I'm just thinking okay. about I mean, who thinks about writing an autobiography? Who's who's the you know mm-hmm. when they get to it, I don't know that I'll think, oh, I should write an autobiography. My life was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well what's interesting and I think hilarious is it starts as an autobiography and ends about midway through it it changes um into a story about an intelligent tornado named Sweetie Pie. Uh, this goes on for about 5,000 pages, by the way. So, wow, the tornado. Yeah. He was really into weather. Um, he was, and tornadoes are tempestuous, you know? Yeah. And kind of like maybe how he felt. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Into this here, but started out as maybe he sees himself as a tornado or, or he just got distracted and bored with like <laughs> writing like, autobiography yeah. and he just went with like, you know, my life, I could do that in like three paragraphs. So yeah. moving on, we're going to have, a, <laughs> it'll be a tornado. So That's so funny. His, his, I want to talk about a bit about his, um, as you get into his twilight years, I want to talk about his surroundings, his, um, neighbors and his landlords. There's a couple, uh, at this point. Um, they are, I mean, like a, a married couple is <laughs> landlords, oh. not like a couple. Landlords. <laughs> gotcha. Anyways, they were pretty chill with him. They're actually really friendly with him because uh, he was this older guy kept to himself. Um, uh, Nathan and Kyoko Lerner were his landlords. And this was in Chicago. This is still in Chicago. He lived his whole life in Chicago, okay. basically. They cut his payment so that he could stay, stay there, Aww. you know, because obviously he couldn't pay yeah. the normal amount After so they're just like yeah. it's fine we'll look the other way Aww. so and which they didn't need to do but it was very nice of them yeah. a bit of a i don't know this i don't know if it was a genetic thing or whatever but his legs started to go like his dad so he ended up in saint augustine's home for the aged which is oh. if you remember the same place his dad went yeah. to wow his neighbors would sometimes visit him you know but his memory was starting to go at that point so Sometimes he didn't quite remember, know who they were. Yeah. Um, which is sad, but that's kind of a, how aging is. Yeah. Um, so his landlords, it's uh, Nathan and Kyoko Lerner, they started cleaning out his apartment, basically, um, because they knew he was old and he was like, you know, in a hospital and he probably wasn't going to be around for two months longer. That's when they found his story uh, in the realms of the unreal. It must have taken up a whole closet. <laughs> it, it was, yeah, it was massive, but it was also his part was also covered in like 
clippings from like books and newspapers and stuff of like pictures of like young girls and like um you know like other things and stuff like that you know so they started to think maybe of him in a different way yeah well what what they did was they found they found the story first of all and uh kyoko was like i don't you know like throw it out you know it's just like it's junk kind of not saying bad about it i'm just saying that's what she thought of it. Nathan, however, he was really interested. He thought this this is gorgeous because of all the illustrations and stuff, like these sprawling. We'll probably put some up on the Facebook. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was like very colorful and very kind of, um, it was artwork. I don't yeah, know how to describe yeah, it. It yeah. looked cool. So sprawling, like it filled up the page. It filled up. Yeah, yeah. So he got all of the neighbors in the apartment to come over and look at it. They're all looking at it and being like, whoa, you know, like this old guy who... It's just kind of been there, you know, it's been kind of the quiet loner of the apartment complex or whatever. Yeah. He's been like, seriously, like making like a whole like, like story here. He's like a um, honest to God artist, basically. So the next time they visited him, they kind of confronted him about it and told him like, hey, your story's awesome. You know, like being very um, appreciative of it. Yeah. And he was reportedly a surprised that they noticed <laughs> like that because it wasn't, I guess too crazy to him. Yeah. Um, and B, he was also touched is what it said. Um, oh, that's really sweet. All, I wonder if he'd shared it with anybody. Uh, it was just I, his don't, own thing. I don't think so. Yeah. All he said though was um, when they said, he's like too late now was all he said oh. in, in response to them, like going over how awesome his work was. Oh. Which is really sad. That feels really sad. <laughs> yeah, but uh, what do you think he means? Too late. Now? I don't know. Like I don't know. I, he it, doesn't seem like somebody who's interested in getting it published or anything. No, like that, so. I don't think he was interested in the fame or money or anything yeah. like that. But who knows? Maybe he was. Uh, but it, it was a connection with people. Yeah, and maybe that was it. Maybe, maybe about, it was a connection yeah, thing. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Ouch. Yeah. So. On April 13th, 1973, he passed away. He was 81 years old. Mm. His gravestone, it reads, Henry Darger, artist and protector of children. Oh, Which wow. is really sweet. That's a very sweet thing to have. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened to his works, right? Uh, they were either sold or auctioned off to, like, museums. Critics at the time were... There was like two responses to it. One, they were fascinated, and two, they were repulsed. You it know, sounds like it was because it was so different than anything. Well, that and there's a lot of violence and nudity and okay, stuff in there. Yeah. Um, nowadays, people are a little more understanding, probably because we have a bad idea of mental illness and you know just kind of like understanding. Un- we have a yeah, lot more, we're under a little more understanding yeah, now as comprehensive to comprehensive like, understanding of different. Yeah, how brains can work differently yeah. and all that. But at the time, people, there's a lot of like rampant kind of speculation that he was, he's some kind of child murderer or something like that, which I don't know if that's true or not. I don't think it is. I really don't, but I don't know a hundred percent. So I was like, oh, you know, but I feel like he would have been found out if he was, I think so. I don't think he was smart enough to like (laughs) get away with stuff. (laughs) Going through my notes here, only four known photos of him exist. And the reason why... For for the audience listening, we're having a bit of a, a fun time early before we start recording, trying to figure out how to say his last name. 
And the reason why that tickled me so much is because people who knew him also had that same problem. Oh, that's really funny. So we we talked about it right before we started recording, yeah. and we decided that it was probably Darger because it Darger. ends in G-E-R. I'm sure I've been calling him Darger or something Yeah, you've gone back this. and forth a couple times. I wasn't yeah. going to say anything. But no, that's fine. It, but it, it's funny that people during his lifetime had a hard time. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're yeah. off the hook, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never on the hook. But um, <laughs> So Forbes, I don't know when they did this study, um, a little while ago. They estimated, because his artwork uh, like sold for more than $2 million dollars. In the seventies, back in the seventies, wow. Which now is the artwork like, that was part of his book, or was it like his a separate? Book, his okay. book itself. Oh, okay. Now it's like thirteen million or whatever due to inflation, but it's like it's incredibly valuable because it's who a, owns it? I don't know, some museum or something. Oh, somewhere. wow. Uh, it, it's kept in a climate controlled room. That's all I know because it's on fractal paper. <laughs> but but what it, it's like a only existing thing of it. There's only one like copy or whatever. Can you imagine having have somebody retype that whole thing? Yeah, so put it in a. It's a crazy. Book or um, books. It's very highly prized, especially for an unknown man living in poverty, his life. Um, wow, an outsider. What do you call outsider that? art? Outside art. Yeah. So now I really want to go see it wherever it is. I got to figure that out. But yeah. Anyway. Um, but it's yeah. It, it was just I I've known about this story for a couple years now. I thought it was very fascinating. I thought it was really interesting because I like interesting people and I like creativity. Yeah. And I don't know. Good mix of both of those. It was a good mix of both. Yeah. And um, I thought, hey, this would be some, despite being very sad at points, it's still a lot more uplifting than some of the other stuff we covered. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Funny enough. So uh, I thought it'd be, you know, relevant or at least interesting to talk about. Yeah. I like it. I really liked learning about Henry Darger Darger. <laughs> And, um, but I wonder, you said you've known about him for a couple of years. So I'm wondering, I never heard of the guy before. Mm. Do you remember where or how you heard of him? I don't remember the exact details. It was probably like most things. I just stoned upon it while going online or whatever. I think, I think what it was is I was looking at lawn books or lawn works. Um, because that was interesting to me, like trying to figure out like what's the longest, piece of human like creation and i think that's guiding light which is a soap opera that's (laughs) been uh like because it started as a radio thing in the 30s in the 50s switched over to a tv thing and ended like 2004 or something like that i think that's like one of or if not the longest human story Uh story i use quotation marks around story because it's a soap opera. Yeah. yeah. But it's uh, an ongoing thread. It was an ongoing work. thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but that aside, um, that I found out and I'm like, how long is it? And the title itself was like super long yeah, too. Very memorable. The two things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, I, I don't have his written down, so I'm not going to say it, but his weather report has an equally long title. It's like, you know, uh, like a, a look at snow, sleet, rain. Like he started yeah. listing it off in the title. <laughs> That's so funny. It's funny that when you've got that very long title and then you get the extremely long book, it's like, well, okay, we can, I, I we can allow him a little bit longer. He didn't time. know how to insert sentences. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I, again, I haven't read it or, or any like excerpts from it. Yeah. So I don't know how... Um, how it's written yeah, necessarily. I think that'd be something very interesting to I do. Think if, so I, too. if I have some time, I, I know he definitely, he put in people he knew in real life in it. 
one his childhood bully, a guy named John Manley, was the leader of the bad guy forces. And his picture in the book looks very much like um, Tsar Nicholas II, um, probably because it was around the time like World War One was going on around that time, and he has probably saw the Pixar newspaper or whatever. But yeah, it's like if you if you're kind of aware of like what was going on at the time, you yeah. kind of pick up like, oh yeah, this picture is from a magazine, wow. like straight up. He just copied that wow. and stuff. So yeah, wow, that's really uh, what a life, huh? <laughs> Yeah, and it did, and and it's crazy because it's not like it was the most exciting life, or that he really even necessarily did anything too crazy. But yeah. he just projected, he, his, yeah, he poured out his heart and soul into this yeah. one thing that he didn't expect him to look at. Yeah, kind of like Emily Dickinson. I don't know if you know this, but they found all of her poems and stuff in a, like a chest after like, she was crying. after she passed. Like in her life, they didn't know. Um, and I've heard some people like. One of my main sources of research for this, not the only one, but one of the main ones was um, a video by the YouTube channel Down the Rabbit Hole where he covers Henry Darger. Um, but anyways, he says how like he's kind of the ideal artist that he creates for the sake of creating, mm, which mm-hmm. I don't know if that's accurate or, or true because who knows what his mindset was really yeah. outside of what he projected to the world, yeah. which wasn't a lot. But I think it is kind of telling where you have, you know, people, and not just artwork, but like storytelling too, you know, people who like, like it reminds me of, um, I think it was Picasso. Uh, he wouldn't pay for drinks in a bar. He'd just like do like a, like a little scribble or something. And that would be it because they knew who he was. And so I was like, well, that's worth more than, you know, the yeah. drink. So yeah. Well, I could not see Darger doing something like that, probably because I don't think he considered himself an artist. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there's truth to that, but I think it's interesting. Yeah, I can see that. Somebody who just creates just for the sake of creating, just because it, it fills a need. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it satisfies it gets that a need, it's, I should say. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And for him, it was probably a way that he processed his world. Interesting. Really great job, Jacob. I really enjoyed hearing about Henry Oh, Darger. Thank you. I'm yes. glad. Do you have any last questions or thoughts? Or I think you did a really good job covering the details. Um, so I don't, I honestly don't think that I have any other questions except that I really uh, want to go check out an excerpt and, mm-hmm. you know, makes me want to find out some more about him on my own. So yeah, that was awesome. so well, job well done. I encourage uh, for anyone listening, for our audience, if you're interested, look it up. It's got, it's, it's really an interesting story. It's really an interesting like book he wrote. Um, like everything I've heard about it is like, this is really unique. So why not look it up? His illustrations are online. Yeah, you can that's find, cool. We so. will, we'll post, we'll have a couple Yeah, we'll pull them on the Facebook page. Yeah, so that was episode seven. What's coming up in episode What's eight? What's coming next? Yeah, this is another kind of a weird oddity. We are like historical thing. The, have you ever heard of the Dancing Plague of 1518? The Dancing Plague of 1518? Yes. I can't say I have, but it makes me think of uh, Ring Around the Rosie. It, it's, it, I don't know why. Well, I know because Ring Around the Rosie and the plague have something uh, in common. Well, that's connected. interesting you say that. We'll get into it yeah. next week. But needless to say, uh, it's, uh, it's quite an interesting tale. Oh, I can't wait to get there. Awesome. Well, 
Uh, listeners, thank you so much for joining us. This has been the History Slices podcast. If you like what you've heard, if you've been entertained or amused, please tune in next week. Tell your friends, and uh, we'll see you there. Have a good one. Bye-bye.